Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. It's July, it's hot out, and we are trekking along with Narrative 101, the ongoing series that we revisit on the second Tuesday of every month that helps us to tie a lot of these ideas together between the stories that we, you know, experience in fiction uh, and in the real world and the stories that we live uh, individually in our lives every single day. So thank you so much for being here with us. And I hope you've been enjoying uh, this series as we have been going through these pieces. And it's kind of like we're building something. And this is the fifth installment of Narrative 101. Before I explain to you how you are a storyteller, I would like to just take a moment and invite you to check out allthingsnarrative.com if you want to learn more about what we're doing at All Things Narrative. Um, and I've got some exciting stuff I'll share throughout the episode um, that you can be a part of if you choose to. So in my last episode, we talked about the elements of story and how to be intentional with our lives. If like a good writer, we take these elements of plot, character, setting, and theme, and we run them through our lives and we kind of view our lives through those different lenses, what can happen? How can we be more intentional with the way that we live? And of course, that builds off identity and how narratives shape identity, which was built off of this idea of externalizing problems, being able to see uh, the proper place of problems coming to us in context, which builds off the narrative metaphor itself. So um, yeah, so this is exciting because this is kind of the the top. This is kind of where it all leads to. And then we've got another five episodes of Narratives 101 that'll come out August through December. But the difference of those is that those won't be as uh, linear or sequential. Those are gonna actually be about going back in and filling in uh, the different steps and different things that maybe we didn't talk as much about or maybe things that we talked about a little bit, but we want to dive a little deeper into. So this is kind of where we've all been building to. And this is the idea of story proclamation, storytelling, of being able to, you know, from back in our first episode that if we have these narratives that we're telling ourselves uh, we're telling internally and the narratives that we, the narratives when we talk about our lives and day-to-day -day conversation, how do we tell the story of our lives in a thoughtful way to where we're being intentional about the story that we're living? Because if you are aware that you are living a story and if you can learn how to better tell your story, I believe you could better learn how to live a meaningful story. I want to start by talking about where this all goes. So, so what if you can learn how to tell your story? Whoop-dee-doo, right? What's the big deal if I can tell my story? Well, I want to start off with a Auntie Barbara Wingard, uh, someone that I deeply admire and respect and read quite a bit from uh, during my master's program. And she has this book called Telling Stories in Ways That Make Us Stronger. And I love that because there are stories that we tell ourselves that push us down, that hold us back. For example, you might have this narrative that you're telling yourself 
that I'm not lovable? Who can love a person like me with all my flaws, with all my imperfections? And as a result, we might be hesitant about relationships and wanting to uh, be vulnerable and transparent with people because we ask, well, who could really love me if they knew the true me? Uh, And I share that because that's part of my story, actually. Uh, I had a period in my life, a pretty recent period in my life overall, where I was like, man, if people really knew what I thought about this, or if people really knew the way that I felt uh, on this, I don't know what people would think of me. Do people only love me because I agree on a certain level to them? Or do people only love me because of what I do for them? What If people actually knew certain things about me, maybe they wouldn't love me. And it sent me into this whole kind of mental crisis that I had a couple years ago. And I told myself this narrative. And lo and behold, once... I took some steps in my life to where I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to be honest. I need to not be afraid of these things. I not, I need to not allow these things to rule over my life anymore. I realized that there were a lot more people in my life than I thought there were that actually did love me, not just because of this or because of that, but genuinely. And that narrative began to change. So the narrative that I was telling myself had some truth in it but it was incomplete. It was a single story that I was allowing to rule over my life and my decisions and all that. And so now I see differently though. Now I see that there's a lot more complexity. I was able to see that there were people that loved and cared about me, uh, even when I didn't think I was lovable. And so... Telling our story is important because months, months later, uh, quite a while after all this happened, um, I had an, an opportunity to be able to share, to share the story uh, with a group of people. And some of the people that I shared it to were people that were involved in it. But what was really cool was uh, this idea of creating the double story testimony. And that's the idea that I'm honoring the tr- the feelings that I experienced and I'm honoring the fact that these problems existed and they were real to me. But I'm also at the same time not reveling in that or not leaving the story there. I'm, I'm seeing that there was a lot more um, going on in the story than just what I was initially experiencing. And that was, of course, the way that it was impacting relationships and um, the way that people were showing me that love, even when I couldn't always see it, when I always didn't know it. And one of the ways in narrative practice is that we create kind of like a, a stage or an avenue, if you will, for telling stories is through something called definitional ceremonies. So this uh, term was coined by a cultural anthropologist named Barbara Meyerhoff. And what she did is she worked with um, a group of elderly Jews, like a Jewish population that immigrated from Eastern Europe and they came to Southern California and they were escaping, you know, the Nazis and and the Holocaust and all the terrible, tragic things that were happening uh, during that time. 
And most of these uh, Jewish elders had lost their family to the Holocaust. And throughout their lifetimes, they experienced this kind of loss of identity, if you will. Um, Because think about how isolating that would be to be in a country uh, that you didn't grow up in and most of your family is not there. Um, They're either somewhere else or they're, they're dead. And so what Meyerhoff was doing with these definitional ceremonies was that she wanted to create a space for these Jewish elders to tell their stories, to tell the stories of their culture, um, of their faith, to tell the stories of their experiences in leaving and coming to somewhere else and being able to honor those stories that maybe they felt like were not being seen or being forgotten maybe through the passage of time. And in those definitional ceremonies, she utilized something called outsider witnessing, which is uh, something that's probably going to be my next episode is talking about witnessing, because uh, that was a big game changer for me in what I do. And so I don't want to get too much into that, um, but essentially bringing people outside of their stories to witness to them telling the stories of their lives. And I mean, I've been a part of these environments of definitional ceremonies and where witnessing is uh, incorporated. And it is easily my favorite part of the work that I do and the workshops that I do is these definitional ceremonies that we do at the end. So the title of this episode is You Are a Storyteller. And as you are hearing this, you might be thinking, well, that's great for people who want to get up there in front of a group of people and tell their stories, but that's not me. Uh, I, I'm not a storyteller. Uh, I, I can't do that. And I totally get that. The cool thing about storytelling and why I really enjoy being in this line of work is that storytelling is part of what makes us human. Alistair uh, McIntyre uh, in his book, After Virtue, Uh, He says this famous quote that is that uh, man is in his actions and practice as well as in his fictions, essentially a storytelling animal. I can only answer the question, what am I to do if I can answer the prior question of what stories do I find myself apart? And I love that because it recognizes that we are influenced by stories like what I've shared about on here before. And we tell ourselves stories to help us better understand what we're going to do, you know? So for example, maybe you have a friend that's asking you for a big favor and they're asking you to do something that's very significant uh, in their lives. Um, It could be something like uh, maybe uh, being a best man or a maid of honor at a wedding or maybe being a god uh, parent uh, to somebody's uh, newborn child. And when you're making a decision like that, when you're thinking, what am I, what am I going to do uh, in this situation? Or it could be even something uh, a little darker, like maybe uh, doing a funeral for someone uh, that you've lost. So, um, and I, I can relate to that last one because, uh, you know, there was uh, a dear friend of mine that passed away last year. And uh, I was asked by the pastor hey, would you be okay during the testimony, the story time, uh, going up there and sharing some stories? 
And so what I did is essentially this quote here is I reflected on the stories uh, that I lived with this person. And I just thought like, okay, what are some of my favorite stories uh, of my times with this person? What, in other words, what stories do I find myself apart? And then I found that I was able to get up there uh, and, you know, despite how emotional and hard it was, I was able to tell those stories and honor my friend through that. And so when we think of the stories of our lives, you, we're, we're just communicating those stories. We're just speaking them out loud. You know, you ever gone into work on Monday and somebody asked, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, well, first this weekend, you know, I drove, drove up to Orlando and then I did this. You're telling a story there. You know, this is so a part of just what we do on a daily basis. And I think that we tell these stories because there's uh, an idea there, uh, as Frank Rogers says, that, you know, no wonder we tell stories when we want to be known. Because to know people's stories is to know their dreams and their hopes, the quests that drive them, the demons that threaten them, the friends they most trust and hold dear. It is to know much more than the facts and dates that constitute their past. It is to know their essential self. So when people tell stories about themselves, what I shared about the narrative metaphor, I might've even shared that quote in there, but it's just so good that they reveal things about themselves. And that's what we do when we tell stories as well. And, and as Donald, Donald Miller says that a story is based on what people think is important. So when we live a story, we're telling people around us what we think is important. So the way that we live our lives um, is a way of storytelling as well. It's not just words. Uh, it's the way that you live as well. That is a form of storytelling. And then, of course, there's storytelling through the arts, uh, through the many, many mediums that we can tell stories. And that's usually what people think of when they're like, oh, I can't tell a story. You know, I can't write a poem. I can't sing a song. I can't paint something. I can't write a book, whatever it is. And, and it's just like telling a story, it is an art form in and of itself, no matter what medium, no, uh, what, whatever way you try to, to do that, to express yourself with that. So, you know, I have people that come into workshops and they, they have that mentality of like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to tell my story. I don't know if I want to do that. So one of the things that I, I tell them that really sets their mind, that I at least hope sets their mind at ease, uh, is something which is one of the, the core values, uh, the guiding principles, the what we believe of, of all things narrative here. And it comes from uh, our good friend, David Denborough, who we had on last week. And if you haven't heard that episode, you got to go check it out. But he drafted something called Storytelling Rights. And I love that because uh, as we talked about on that episode, you know, you have a right to your story. It's one of the only things in life that you have that's unique to you. And so we needed to have great care in being able to tell our stories. And my favorite... Uh, piece of the story of his storytelling rights is this one. I think it's the second one is that everyone has the right for their life to be understood in the context of what they have been through and in the context of their relationships with others. So being understood, that's a common theme I see in a lot of my workshops is people come in and they say, I just don't feel understood. I feel misunderstood. And telling our stories helps us to be less misunderstood. It helps us to be known on a deeper level. And I know that can terrify us sometimes, 
but it allows us and not somebody else to speak of our experiences and what we've been through. And so you're not just a storyteller, but you have a right to tell your own story in your own way and on your own terms. And so that's beautiful. And I love that because definitional ceremonies are trying to create an intentional space to practice that, to practice uh, telling your story uh, in these ways that make us stronger. So like Barbara Meyerhoff says that these performances of sharing stories, uh, like what she did with the Jewish elders, they became arenas that served as a stage, as well as a mirror, providing opportunities for self and collective proclamations of being. And, and, and I love that. And she also says that these definitional ceremonies, quote, provide opportunities for being seen and in one's own terms, garnering witness to one's own worth, vitality, and being. Oh, it's so good. You know, the opportunity to be seen and to be noticed and recognized and valued. That's so important in my workshops. And that's why I, we end all my workshops with the definitional ceremony. And it is uh, typically uh, participants say that's their favorite part of the workshop. And so I get excited about this because, you know, it, we, we love telling stories. We love being around stories. And so being able to tell our stories ultimately provides a sense of agency. And that's uh, to go back to Jonathan Stillman and these uh, narrative principles that we've been going through. That's where this all goes. That's what narrative practices is ultimately trying to work towards and move people towards is having more uh, personal agency in their lives. And I like that word agency because it implies that you are capable of making choices where you can live a life of meaning and purpose and value, whatever that means to you. Having personal agency means that although you can have problems and the, the things that we maybe as single stories tried to define our lives, having agency means that we are allowing consciously what is going to define not just who we are, but how we live. And that's what we want is that, that greater sense of freedom uh, freedom to know that the choices that we make, uh, although they are influenced, all our choices are definitely influenced for better and for worse, but that they are choices that are leading us into the kind of story um, that we want for our lives. Because there are things that we can't control. And part of what narrative practice is trying to do is to try to understand those things in our lives that we maybe didn't have control over, but to see, well, where did I have agency? What can I do uh, in this situation despite the trauma that I've faced? And it's also important to note while we're here in this place that this work uh, of finding personal agency, you might hear it and you might think, oh, this is like just very like you know, individualism, like just go, you know, do you, be you, all that stuff. But I mean, if you've gone through our previous episodes of Narrative 101, then you got to know that that's not how this, this works, is that we are constantly being influenced and we need to be aware of who's influencing us and who we're allowing to speak into our lives. 
So agency is not something that you arrive at as a self-made person. Agency is something that comes through better understanding the story uh, with others as well and having others speak into that, which is where the witnessing piece is so important that I'll talk about next episode. Because we always have to be careful. I love how Jonathan Gottschall says this, that the storytelling mind is allergic to uncertainty, randomness, and coincidence. It is addicted to meaning. If the storytelling mind cannot find meaningful patterns in the world, it will try to impose them. In short, the storytelling mind is a factory that churns out true stories when it can, but will manufacture lies when it can't. You know, and I think it's also in that book where he talks about like, you can't fully trust someone's autobiography. Because if somebody is sitting down just to write their story in and of themselves, how are they perceiving their narratives and the stories that they're living? Um, This is why it's important to have other people uh, that you bring into this as well. And this is why your association of life, your membership of life, your club of life, whatever you want to call it, it's so important, your web of identity, because essentially we can have other people that can help speak into this, this, this way of how we're going to tell our stories. That's what narrative practitioners are trying to do. They're trying to be one of those people. There's others as well. And so who are we allowing to help us to better understand the story that we tell about our lives? Because if we're not careful, we do get stuck in that kind of single story testimony. And one of the things that was really impactful for me was, uh, you know, I've shared my story uh, several times in several different settings, um, as in like I actually got to kind of, you know, over like a 45 minute period got to got to tell my story. And I know a lot of the time we don't get that long, but I'm very grateful for those opportunities. But I remember one time I told it, this was probably about four years ago. And I was asked, hey, can you tell your story or you know your testimony, depending on what circles you're in? And I was excited because I hadn't done that in, in a while. And being able to sit down and reflect on my life and figure out how to tell my story, um, it gave me a lot of hope and it gave me a lot of uh, intention. Uh, I remember when I shared on the Transparent Tuesday, uh, I shared a lot about dreams and how I found my passion for narrative practices and all that. It was right around that time that I was learning to tell my story. And I don't think it was a coincidence that I discovered more of what I was passionate about and I Uh, was more bold in wanting to move in that direction because I was better aware of the story that my life was telling and I was uh, more aware of what I wanted the next chapter to be because I had realized there were a lot of things uh, that I wanted to do that I had already done and then there were things that I kept putting off that I needed to find ways to do. But anyways, I told that story of my life to this group of people. It was a group of coworkers and somebody, uh, shout out to Marina. I don't think she'll mind if I shout her out on here. But Marina uh, came up to me and she said to me, you know, I'm not sure that the way that you told certain parts of your story is true. And I was kind of shocked to hear that. I was kind of like, wait, you weren't there for that. How do you know? And I'm very like grateful that somebody was able to feel comfortable saying that 
to say like, there were certain things that you said in your story that I'm not sure that's actually true. Like, in other words, there was some work I still needed to do. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with identity and a way that I perceived myself. And she was able to tell, as I told my story, certain things didn't seem to match. Certain, certain, There were certain contradictions. And yes, all our stories probably have contradictions to some degree, but something just, I don't know what it was that she sensed that. As I thought about it more and as I reworked my story, I realized she was right. I realized that there was a single story and it had to do with high school and it had to do with my high school years, my, particularly my freshman and sophomore year. And I, and I realized that there was a certain narrative that I had, um, particularly about girls and dating and lust and stuff like that. There's a certain narrative that I had that I, I could only see my life through that lens. And it wasn't until she pointed that out that I began doing the work and I realized that there was a deeper narrative there that I was completely missing. And it was a narrative of longing, of wanting to be loved and belonging and trying to find that in a relationship, you know? And it wasn't just about like, you know, I'm just a, a horny teen um, that's just into girls and spiraling down that direction. Uh, thanks to her, I was able to see that there was something very deep that was going on um, that actually... Uh, spoke to other parts of my story as well. So that's why uh, people can be so helpful in this and being able to um, tell our, help us tell our stories. Um, that's why in my workshops, I do something called the journey of life, um, which is not my own creation. Uh, the journey metaphor was something that Michael White and David Denborough and others, they were exploring uh, in a way that expanded the narrative metaphor and talking about our lives like a journey. And it's a journey that moves from dominant stories about one's life to preferred stories, to the stories that we want to live and move into. And so that's where that agency comes in is um, being able to know what story we want for our lives and what can I do uh, to move into that direction. And the journey of life is wonderful. And I, I love doing that in my workshops. And it's usually when the light bulb starts going off for a lot of people like, okay, I see what this whole elements of story and living intentionally and all these things you've been talking about. Now I start to see it starts to click. Because the journey of life isn't about eliminating the problem stories or ignoring them. It's about bringing them into their proper place and uh, being able to explain how they made us who we are uh, and where we're going to go based on that. Yeah, the journey of life is wonderful. If that's something you're interested in, please uh, reach out to me uh, at allthingsnarrative.com or email me. Um, and I'll put my link, I'll try to remember to put my email link in here as well. Um, because I just love the journey of life and I love getting to to build up to that uh, in my Live a Meaningful Story workshop. So being able to honor stories uh, and effects of trauma and being able to honor stories of healing and uh, resistance and all these things, um, that's what we want to do. And it's really cool because this Friday, you know, this episode is coming out uh, Tuesday, July 12th. And this Friday on the 15th, uh, if you're in the Lake Worth area, 
uh, we're actually going to do a storytellers event. Uh, they're doing it at Common Grounds, um, the bake shop and a uh, little cafe. And it's really cool because uh, it's the 1201 venue. And it's really cool because it's a night where people just get up on stage and tell stories. And it doesn't have to be anything artistic or fancy. Just people get up there and they tell stories and there's a theme that night. And the participants that in my latest Live a Meaningful Story workshop, uh, they get to actually go up there on stage and they get to share uh, the pieces uh, of their story uh, to a group in whatever way they choose. If they want to do a spoken word, if they want to do a song, if they want to do the journey of life as a piece of art, or if they just want to get up there and monologue it and tell it uh, as it is just kind of raw and honest, uh, they can do that. So that's like a definitional ceremony because there's going to be an audience there and witnessing and all these wonderful things. And that's what uh, that's what we want to do. That's what I want to help you do is uh, what story is your life telling? Do you know what story that is? And how can you tell your life story uh, in ways that inspire yourself, that inspire you and inspire others around you to live a more meaningful story. That's where it's at at all things narrative. And so, and you know, as I, I've been sitting here recording this, there's a image that keeps coming to my head and I'll end with this because I haven't really talked about uh, anything from fiction yet. And it's a scene in the movie Rocket Man, which is the biopic about Elton John's life. And the whole narrative framing device of the film is that he's in this uh, like a rehab recovery treatment center, but he's telling his story and he's um, using songs that he's written long after the events of the story took place. But it's almost like he's using the songs to kind of better understand his own songs, to better understand what was happening uh, in his life and making sense of it. And so he's, you know, in the movie, he's telling his story. So that's already relevant to this here. But then there's something that happens towards the end of the movie. And it, it might be one of my favorite scenes ever in what narrative practices is. Like when people are like, what is narrative practices? I could point to this and be like, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what we're trying to do here. And it's the scene where he's in the room and it's all these people in his life that have influenced him. Um, his former boyfriend and love, his uh, parents, uh, his best friend that had a sour relationship with, all these different people are in the room and they're trying to speak different things about what his story is. They're trying to tell him what story he's living and who he is and all that stuff. And... There's a moment where he's essentially having to go through and he has to diminish some voices. And there's others that he's pushed away, like his friend, I think Bernie, I think that's his name, he's pushed away. And Bernie has that great line where he says to Elton, you know, you just have to remember who you are. And he's someone who's there trying to help him do that. And then he says, I know who I am. I'm Elton Hercules John. And so you think that's the moment where like you're going to get excited and he's found his preferred story, right? But then there's something even more amazing that happens. And this is what I love about narrative practices. The child, uh, his childhood self stands 
and says, I thought you were Reginald Dwight. And he said, I haven't been called that in a long time. And he's staring at his younger self and he's run away from this narrative and from this identity. And as a young boy, uh, he asks, you know, his adult self, when are you going to hug me? When are you going to embrace your story? When are you going to stop acting like this didn't happen? When are you going to recognize the fullness of who you are and what you've been through? And that moment he embraces himself. He embraces that which he was unable to face. That's what we try to do in narrative practices. Telling our stories in ways that make us stronger. Because as we tell our stories, as we write them, or as we speak them, this is the in, this scene illustrates the internal kind of work that can be going on as we do that. And then the movie ends with that wonderful proclamation of personal agency where he sings, I'm still standing which is just, that's it right there. I'm still standing better than I've ever been. Feeling like a true survivor, like a little kid. And I'm still standing after all this time, picking up the pieces of my life without you on my mind. God, I got, I got nowhere else to go after that. That, that's it. That's my hope for all of you out there. And so what story does your life tell? Let's work together. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to listen. And I'd love to help in any way that I can. This is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek. Thank you for your time. And don't forget, whatever you've been through, wherever you are, and wherever you're going, you are a storyteller. So tell a good story with your life. Until next time, take care.